1: What is up, Cal fans? We are back with another episode of the California Golden Bearcast, a proud partner of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am joined by a fellow axe holder, three years in a row, fresh off the field, but not because he rushed it, the one and only Bobby Cinema. What's up?
2: Oh, it's the day before Thanksgiving, which means prep time and uh, lots of eating over the next couple days, but that's before or that's after we have another men's basketball game tonight. And then, uh, and then of course we have bowl eligibility on the line on Saturday. So it's a packed, packed week of uh, Cal sports. And we're not even going to talk about this week. We're talking about what happened last Saturday.
1: I was going to say in my, in my world, the biggest news for me, was that I watched a Cal basketball game mm. on TV.
2: It was on TV in at tipped off at like ten thirty.
1: Yeah, well, I only watched the first half for obvious yes. reasons.
2: <laughs> oh my goodness!
1: Yeah, that was that's, uh, that's that's not why everyone is here, though. No, that's they're not. Why not. Everyone is here. They're not. We're here for the big game. We are the big game. All right, we got to go right into vibes. There's no time. <laughs> There's no time for anything else. Right to vibes. Immediate vibes. Immediate vibes. Because I was on the later side, let's go to our correspondent, Rob. How was was your pregame festivity?
2: It was great. Uh, I picked up uh, Nam and Avi, and we made our way to Palo Alto. I think we got there. I think we got to Palo Alto like at 11. Uh, i think i left the house at like 9:30 9:45 uh, i had to get gas and stuff too we actually ended up it's weird cuz we actually actually ended up stopping by the same safeway that we always stop at in palo alto um just cuz we wanted to grab some stuff for the tailgate and they needed cups and um it's uh it's Am- it was amber's birthday it every time it's the big game especially if it's the 2 weeks before the season's over so we got her this candy like a plastic candy cane that was filled with little bottles of Fireball uh 2 years ago and we wanted to see if we can find that again at that Safeway but it wasn't that they didn't have it so um we got her just a regular handle of Fireball and then uh we were on our way to tailgate got to tailgate uh Rico and Steph had just set up their stuff and then the TV was just getting set up and there was already food and everyone's just having a good time yelling go bears at everyone that anyone that walked by like that tailgate was in a prime location because it was like right next to that a sh- street and then like a little, like a a paved walkway and I guess like all the cal fans if you took buses or whatnot were parked on the far end so they were all passing by our tailgate uh so we got to we got to ex- have some fun uh like yelling at folks as they walked by yeah that was that was about it for from my oh actually no we got to we went over to robbie rowell a former cal quarterback his his family is like you know multiple generations of cal fans so we actually went over to their tailgate which was a you know maybe about five minutes away and we were hanging out with uh robbie rowell and and his family for a little bit too
1: there were so many tailgates there were multiple right for california tailgates i mean it's the, the vibes were immaculate on <laughs> Saturday. The weather was not, but the vibes the was were not. so good. I mean, for me, when I was coming up to meet up with you all, I walked by countless cow tailgates. One of them, they had uh, like a full-blown, what looked like they were like pouring kegs. You know, just <laughs> someone was actually like there with the, I can't remember which brewery it was, and... I was just so impressed by how all in everybody went on on every bit of that like on every single one that I passed and then there was a couple of Stanford ones a, a Stanford fan actually gave me a decently hard time and I was like oh wow that's uh that was unexpected <laughs> But no, it was, dude, the vibes, the vibes were just absolutely immaculate that day. It was super special, and my immediate reaction was, I can't believe that. You know, I was the only member of the football thread that I have that was there representing Cal. I mean, it's just amazing. And the game was sold out. And I will say this was a very nice reprieve for me. Given that 24 hours before, as you know, Rob, I fell victim to a Craigslist scam.
2: You did. You did.
1: (laughs) And let me tell you, just for the audience, because I can't give away too much, because my lovely wife was like, you can't, you can't expose yourself to more
0: scams.
1: (laughs) So I got to think about what I can and cannot say. But I mean I think I can say most of this, which is one on Craigslist saw an ad, you know, should have known, usually when it says $1, but I you know, sometimes people do that and you get so used to seeing them and then you see the real price. It was $40 a ticket, three tickets, section 111, row F. I shoot a message, send a text, I'm like thank goodness cuz I had talked to other people on Craigslist and everyone was in Palo Alto And I just didn't want to drive there uh, for obvious reasons. And so this one, I was like, hey, just, you know, are they digital tickets? And they're like, yeah, I bought them off StubHub. And I was like, okay, that's fine. And I was like, all right, but I'm a little concerned because it's Craigslist. So do you mind sending me over the ticket? They're like, yeah, I guess. Which was like a very concerning response. I should have been way more concerned about that. Like, what do you mean? Yeah, I guess. (laughs) Uh, Wait, but all right. I don't want to give them more ammunition to be better. So, then, the I I'm like okay, send me over the StubHub receipt. And keep in mind, like I am doing multiple things here, so it's not just like I am only focused on this transaction. So it takes a little bit of while, a little while to get there with StubHub receipt. But I don't even think twice. You know, it says you know, all right, here's the StubHub receipt. It has the game. It has like Cal Bears at Stanford football, which I thought was like really good attention to detail. And I look at it, and it's got date, dates right, everything's good. I actually LinkedIn searched the person's name it was under. And then I also LinkedIn searched the person that they were trying to, to sell. Like, I, I literally looked up their company, looked up where they worked, saw that it was a real person and all of the things. So I'm like checking off lists. I'm like, look, this is a scam. It's really well done. But you know, at the end of the day, I'm doing my due diligence. And so I'm like, fine turns out I, I decided, I went, hey, I only want two. I'm not going to buy three. And they didn't care at all. Which, sec- like, another warning flag. No, yeah. anyone that's selling tickets is going to care if you leave them with a single. Yep. Period. Yep. So that should have been, like, big warning signs for me. Wasn't. sent The second I sent over the money, so I sent over the money, I just get this, like, feeling, this dark, dark feeling, which, which has happened before, right? Because you're still putting your faith in someone you've never met. And I send it over and, uh, you know, no tickets arrive in my inbox and the person isn't responding as fast as they were before. And uh, I just was like, Hey, so you're going to send the tickets or did I just get scammed? (laughs) That's literally direct message. Message back was, Oh oh no, uh, they'll be there in four minutes. Uh, You know, 15 minutes later, nothing, call the number it's disconnected. And uh, there you go. So, don't buy tickets off Craigslist That unless you're going in person and meeting the person in person. And then maybe even after that, I don't really recommend it. Rob was right. He was like, that's why I pay the fee because I know they're ludicrous, but at least I know it's real and I'm not out 80 bucks.
2: <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> oh. Don't fall for it, people. I can't believe I did. I I, I am so experienced on Facebook Marketplace and Craigslist. I sort of had maybe a little bit too much confidence in doing those checks. But nonetheless, I texted my ticket rep and uh, Meta and, and he just wrote back Craigslist with a skull emoji
2: like yeah. dead. <laughs> it's your fault. It's your fault. <laughs> uh, but all that, all that, all that, all yeah. that, and you went crawling back to Cal Athletics.
1: I went crawling back to Cal Athletics and was like, I've done a terrible thing. <laughs> I ended up I, having to get the tickets on StubHub, ironically. And, you know, you get all the emails and you're like, yeah, the great, this, they clearly doctored it. It doesn't look nearly, it doesn't look the same. You know, hey, good for them. Well done. Um, yeah, you know, bravo. <laughs> Hope you had a nice meal in the Bay Area, uh, if you're in the Bay Area. But, yeah, I mean, when I got there, it's just like vibes are so good. I arrive, okay, I got to take a shot of my Lord. And Nick's over here offering me a shot of fireball. And now that all makes sense. Because I it didn't make sense to me why that was on the table as well. Yeah. I, know I have my couple of sours that I bring with me. We got Thomas over there with the football. You know, Avi and Nam. Uh, you know, Nam's just watching the game. You're watching the game. Avi's running around like the mayor. Everyone's coming yeah. up to him it's like, Dude, I'm I'm at Justin Wilcox. Like that really happened. Yep, that <laughs> like, really happened. up and identifying themselves as you know as Twitter handles and and that's the beautiful thing about that tailgate. I mean that happens all the time. It's happening at Notre Dame and uh, you know on bus two and like that was happening over and over again. But it was really wild. And then. You know, right at the end, someone came up to Avi and was like, hey, you know, I follow all of your articles and thank you so much. I was like, dude, this is amazing. And I was like, you ever step back from that and just like appreciate the fact, like how cool this is? He's like, man, this happens every week. And uh, I think that's really special that you all have built that and created that for Cal fans and for people to be able to engage you know, in a, in, in a space that's beyond the game itself, because I think that was the big reason why I wanted to get involved in SB Nation all those years ago, was I really never felt like I had the outlet to express and to understand and to kind of react to what I'd just gone through. And I think when you get to bring that to life in person, it just, it's super
2: cool. Yeah, I mean we also remember like you and I both It's a little bit ways a few hours later at that point, but we ran into a bunch of people that like had listened to our pod and they were like going through the security gate with us. Like uh still very weird.
1: Always just like it's yeah, it's like you do? <laughs> you actually you listen to what we say? <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah, I talked about that with Nam after the game, and I was like, "Look, like no matter how much like we try to stay humble and stuff, like we also have to acknowledge that whatever we've been doing for the you know for the last however many years, you've been a part of the site and, and been writing or part of the community, like you helped cultivate like an entire generation of Cal fans in how they understand and process Cal football games, and so." you've you've built that not like help them build up their own knowledge of the of college football of cal athletics of the history of of cal football and and the fandom as well and that that doesn't that doesn't equate to zero like that's a that's a net positive um uh, but you know avi being avi and nam being nam like don't really like talking to talking about it in front of people <laughs> uh but yeah those are those are super cool moments and like i think You get it more so in game environments such as the one this past Saturday.
1: Dude, my guy Nam in the middle of the game, when it was like oddly close, you know, (laughs) we we went up 20 to six. Yeah. And then very quickly it was 20 to 15 and it was almost 20 to 16, right? Yeah. And Brett Johnson gets a sack. And I look over at Nam and I'm like, Nam, that's your guy. And he looks at me and doesn't say anything. Dude <laughs> was stressed, <laughs> but I mean, you know, Nam is like, I am, I am focused on the game. Like you know, in the like, moment, this is, this is, yeah, I am. There's no distractions. This is what's happening, and it's amazing to see. But it was so funny, and I was like, dude, it's Brett Johnson. No reaction. Just didn't even turn his head the second time. It was just locked. I was like, all right, we're locked in.
2: <laughs> yeah, he was fully locked in, but he did say like there was there was a moment of do we have this in the bag, and then like are we going to lose this game? But for yeah. him, he felt like it was it was in the bag the entire time, and I kind of feel the same way too. Um, as we pivot to talking about the game itself as well,
1: yeah, solid solid transition there. I mean, I think it. You know, I mean, first of all, let's talk about the worst call in the history of college football. <laughs> I I genuinely think that that kick return interference call is, it's got to be top five of the worst calls I've ever seen in professional sports.
2: Yeah. It I'm makes so confused.
1: No sense. No sense. And it's just, I, I don't even understand how you could bet- even make that call unless it was a, the only way you understand it and rationalize it is if it's a Pac 12 ref that's doing it. And so <laughs> you're like, all right, fine. I guess this is the only environment in which this makes sense.
2: But- yeah, I mean, like I, that call for me, it's just, I didn't, I, honestly, I didn't see that play as well as you guys did just because I'm field level, right? So I don't see like, I don't see at it from an angle, but like looking, I watched some of the highlights last night again, and that ball clearly hits the Stanford players' hands. <laughs> And then our guy recovers it. So at what point is it like you see that happen? You that's the whole thing nowadays, is like they they crowd the the return man, right? Yeah. To kind of put pressure on them to to make the catch. And that's exactly what we did. We didn't touch him. And then he fumbles, he muffs the catch. And then we're on top of it and we come out of it. And they're and they're they're saying by rule, we need to give the the guy a clear opportunity to catch the ball. Like that's such BS. Cause that you, you haven't called that all year long. Not a single no ref has called that all year long or any, for any time of that matter. And now you're going to call it in that specific situation. That's just yeah. BS.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No one's ever made that call in the history of the NFL. <laughs> Football. Yeah. And like, they're saying that if you call a fair catch, you can bobble it. As high in the air as you can do whatever you want with it, and you have to be granted the right. Okay, so let's just throw out an alternative, an alternate scenario here. Why wouldn't I? And that's now this is going to be a bold move, but let's just say I wanted to be bold as the kick returner. Why wouldn't I intentionally like set it like a volleyball 10 yards, five yards ahead of me, run up and then catch it and gain five extra yards for my team? Obviously, yeah. that's not allowed. <laughs> it's, it's like, oh, oh, I'm just trying to catch the ball. Like, what do you mean? Like, dude, there's no way that's the rule. There's just in no way. This, you have the right to catch it cleanly. If you don't catch it cleanly, the ball is live. That's the rule. Everyone yep. knows it. It's yep. just crazy. And like that, my dad just turned to me and he goes, that's a big game for you. <laughs> that's a big game. I was like, oh, gosh, please no. <laughs> <sighs>
2: Yeah, that was probably one of the most controversial calls in the game. There were a couple <laughs> that kind of went both ways. I mean, that one kind of went in our in our favor or in their favor. And then the other one that kind of went in our favor was the targeting call that a lot of people are upset about. Um, yeah,
1: I didn't see it as targeting. Yeah, And I know you had a better angle on it and you were right. He led with head. But the crazy thing that happened there is like my dad and I, didn't have seats with all of the right for California guys. So we had to move up in our section and we, you know, we were looking at you pretty easily. So, yeah, but this guy in front of us, the whole game was clearly a Stanford fan. Like, you know, yeah. but he just expected to lose. So he didn't really have, <laughs> you know, a, a ton of, he wasn't talking it a ton of smack or anything like that, but you know, we're just sitting behind him. The only Cal fans really in the area, just like cheering for every good play for Cal. Well, yeah. You know, I think at that point in time, the game sort of became like, yeah, it doesn't seem like Cal's going to lose, but like, if there was ever a time for Cal to lose a game, you know, it sort of felt like that was when momentum had shifted, all of a sudden Stanford had hit on the big play downfield, and we needed that drive to put some separation, because had they gotten the ball back, you know, it definitely wouldn't have been an easy win. And... Mm -hmm. Man, let me tell you, they make that targeting call. And My first thing, I was like, yeah, I don't think that's targeting. I said it out loud. I was like, look, dude, I know this is going to piss you off. So I was like, I don't think that's targeting, right? I'm trying – this is I'm trying to de-escalate the situation. Yeah. Well, dude in front of me is like, that's definitely not targeting. I was like – and I didn't say anything. He turns around to me and goes, you guys, that's – look, you're going to win this game. But like that's not targeting. My dad and I look at each other we go, definitely not. Not targeting. Yeah. No worries here. And so sure enough, they come back. They're like, targeting confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> My guy loses his mind. Just just watching like an adult's dad, 50, maybe 45 years old, melt down in front of your eyes and go from <laughs> just wild. I mean, just completely melting down. What is this? I thought we were playing tackle football this is garbage, and then turns around to us. That's definitely not targeting. I was like, didn't think it was targeting. <laughs> I was yep. Just trying to we, stay away from this. <laughs> yeah, we agree with you. We agree with you. So I got a text like two plays later. It was like, hey, we got some open seats. I was like, yes, we are out of here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I mean, that might have been even before it got all that close. I'm actually now that I'm thinking about it. But yeah, I mean. It definitely was controversial to me. I don't think it was clean cut. I haven't really understood that rule as much as I used to. I think before it was kind of like a little less up for interpretation. Like it was simply, you know, helmet to helmet contact. And then now it's like, did you lead with the crown of the helmet?
2: Yeah. And
1: Fernando got rocked on that play.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Um so I, I feel look, the only thing I'll say, which I don't think Stanford fans would appreciate. But in my opinion, whether we got that call or not, it was first down. Like, it wasn't like that was third down or something that was giving us a conversion to continue the drive. Like, it was the first down play. I still had all the confidence in the world. You know, it wasn't a fumble. Like, so it was very clear to me that, like, it wasn't a fumble. It was our possession, second, second and 10, or second. I think there might, you know, maybe he even had a gain on that. So, like, regardless, Cal was in a great position to put points on the board, and I think that would have made a big difference ultimately in kind of separating the game regardless. So anytime, I think... I, I just don't think you can be too... It wasn't like that that call turned the game, but I can see why from a different perspective you might be a little bit more upset about that call because it did seem to come at a fairly pivotal time.
2: Yeah, and he was probably he was probably their best defensive player up until that point. Yeah. Um, Easily. Like he had looking at the stats right now, he had 10 total tackles, five solo, five assisted, uh, one and a half tackles for loss and two quarterback carries. And he ended up being probably, he was, he ended up being tied for first in terms of tackles uh, by the end of the game. And he basically didn't play half of the third and the entire fourth quarter. So yeah, he was having himself a nice game. uh, And, you know, probably their best defensive player and was not available for the rest of the game.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
1: It's like, you hate to see it, but for us, you're kind of like, <laughs> yeah. take it and move on.
2: Yeah. I yeah. mean, he appealed the the targeting call, and he won. So he's not going to miss any time for the, their final game of the season against Notre Dame. So, like, yeah, he got kicked out of our game, but yeah, you're all right. Just, yeah. So if you win
1: the appeal, is that them saying that they made the call wrong on review?
2: Probably. Yeah, that's probably kind of what they're admitting to. Wow.
1: I mean that has to,
2: God. pac twelve is undefeated, dude. Of
1: all the things, of all the things, if you go to that ref meeting before the season starts, you're like, all right, great. If we're gonna, if we're able to review a play, let's make sure we get it right. Yeah, <laughs> the bare minimum. Is, if we're gonna review it, we might as well get the call right. You review it and you still get the call wrong. I mean, what? That that is just like uh, it's gonna be interesting in the ACC. It will be interesting.
2: Mm-hmm. ACC refs. I don't. I haven't seen anything on how bad they are, but yeah. I'm sure a lot of fans think they're bad. So yeah,
1: I know. Can't wait. I have a question for you, Rob.
2: All right, let's run it.
1: The play that when we were driving downfield, because I mean, this game very much at the beginning of the game felt like this was Cal. I thought playing down to an opponent, where yeah. we were driving down, and then we were just like kind of stalling out and just. It's very, and we like, we hold the Stanford offense, get the ball back. We just weren't doing anything. And Stanford was playing better against the run than I expected. So, certainly had a couple of thoughts where I was, like, oh man, like, please, please tell me that this isn't going to go to be this type of game. Yeah. But the play that I wanted to see if you saw something different was the Fernando interception downfield.
2: Uh uh, I mean, give me your thoughts first.
1: Well, my thoughts were that I, I think the way I saw it, because we're in the corner, he, yeah. I think that he had a receiver, but by the time he made the decision to throw it, there wasn't one. And so I, I thought I saw that there was somebody open, like because I remember the like the way the play developed. I think he got hurried and then had to scramble a little bit. And yep. before that, I felt I felt like the route was open, and then it very much wasn't. And then I all I can say is like it literally looked like he threw it to the Stanford player. There's no one in the area. There was no one within ten yards of it wearing a Cal jersey, and I'm just like. Bro, Fernando, what are you, what are you seeing? <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Um I I will say I talked to Avi about that and asked him the same thing. He said it was a spot throw. Um I I won't pretend to know and understand more of what that is uh than he did. I I personally just and so I guess that would assume that the receiver ran the wrong, wrong route and that he thought somebody was going to stay and they ended up going. Um but it, that wasn't necessarily the play that I saw.
2: Yeah, I mean, if obviously saying that it was a spot throw, then it probably means that it's a timing issue. So it's probably the receiver just came out of his break at the wrong time, or got pushed off and rerouted, and wasn't there by the time Fernando was supposed to make that throw into that window. Um, like for me, it, it, that entire second half was very weird because, like, the rain was like coming and going, right? And I don't remember if, I can't remember if I texted that to you or to others to someone else, but I basically said, look, like I'm on the field and it's like I if, if I can't tell like if I should be like expecting it to be wet or it to be dry, like I know players aren't thinking about that, but I'm sure that plays a part in it. Like where you where you're like, okay, like all of a sudden you're it's it's dry and then you're expecting like a dry ball off a snap. And then the ball's, like, wet. <laughs> you just, like, don't know how to handle it in that moment. Because, you know, everything else has been pretty consistent. But that's the one part of the game this enti- that entire day where the ball kept going wet, then dry, then wet, then dry, then wet, then dry. Even the field. Wet, dry, wet, dry, wet, dry. Um, but regardless... Yeah, I think the the Fernando interception was he's probably – I think you're right. I think he saw something, but by the time he saw something, the window had already closed, and that just led to to that interception. I thought maybe that interception would end up being something, Uh, and I was like, look, if the defense holds here against – after this turnover, which even with the turnover, I think – I'm looking at the play-by-play here. Yeah, even with the interception, the ball started on the Stanford 19 because Tristan Sinclair had a personal foul against um, <laughs> a Mendoza where he shoved him at the end, yeah, like after yeah. the pass was thrown. So yeah. it, it brought him back from the 34 down to the 19. And then I was like, all right, so if, we, if they can't generate anything off of this turnover, I feel very confident we're going to win this game pretty easily. And that's exactly what happened. The following drive ensued was a three and out. Fair so,
1: enough. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that's the right, I think that's the right read is I, I didn't get the sense that, that their offense was doing anything. And I mean, it would drive me crazy as a Stanford fan, because I was like, that's the one thing that you're supposed to be good. at. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like the thing that drives me crazy about Cal is like, we're supposed to be good at defense. And yet we're not. So I'm like, All right. Uh, Why? I mean, the same thing with the chargers, baby. I keep getting to use this charger example until you guys fire your stupid coach.
2: (laughs) I hate my life.
1: (laughs) Uh, But I mean, that's what I mean, is you have a a, a sort of a, a an identity misalignment is what I would call it. And I just think that it was weird to see them struggle so much offensively and just, but it wasn't like, it wasn't as if the players weren't executing the plays. It was just like the same, what I could say is like bad coaching mistakes where there was just like fouls all the time, like personal fouls. And just like, to your point, every single good play for Stanford felt like it came with a flag on some boneheaded foul that like, flag that sent them back and push them back and just things that would drive coaches crazy. And it was very surprising to see.
2: Yeah. I I mean, maybe toss that up to, to back coaching. Maybe just toss that up to new head coach who hasn't like gotten all the, the habits out of the old, the old regime out of his, his current team right now. Uh, but basically like I was talking to a couple of Stanford, Stanford guys the day after, um, because there's a bunch of Stanford fans that, that attend my church, and we were just talking about the, the game. And I was like, look, like ultimately, I think the fright that Stanford gave me was we struggle against a quarterback that rushes, which is basically what happened. When Ashton Daniels decided to run, You know, he had 12 carries for 73 yards, averaged 5.6 yards a carry. That's solid. Um, the issue is we started to zero in on their run, and then once that happened, Ashton Daniels needed to make some throws down the stretch in order to keep our defense honest or to to punish us when we did sell out against the run. He didn't make those throws except for that like forty five yard. How how long was that touchdown? It was like a yeah yeah a forty one yard forty one yard touchdown pass to tiger to Tiger Bachmeyer. Like outside of that throw, he missed all of the other throws that he needed to keep Stanford's drives alive. And he just did not complete enough plays to do so, and that's basically what ended up being the the difference maker. Because our run game started off okay, and then they started to sell out against it. Because Ott started to get going and started getting you know the four, five, six chunk yards um, on every touch. Then we just started running play action and and some misdirection on on passes, and Nando delivered. You know, he delivered yeah. on that on that pass to Trond. He delivered on that. He was making the right th- right decisions, right? Like that swing pass to Ott, um, that that was like, I think, like a 30-something yard gain um, or a 26-yard gain. There was the other one to Trond. There was the other one to Endries down the sideline. Um, there was the one to Jeremiah. There was the one to Taj Davis. Like he was making the right reads, and he was making the right reads at the right levels and making sure he always checked down to the guy Outside of the couple times he got sacked, but even on those sack plays, like it's not—it's not because he was holding the ball for an extravagant amount of time. It was just the pocket collapsed immediately after the snap, and he just basically had nowhere to go. Um, and he and he took he took the sack instead of trying to to throw it out of bounds. So, like Nando made the right decisions and made the right plays when we needed to, and then the few times that Ashton Davis needed to do that, just couldn't do it and he doesn't look like their future quarterback anyways.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, I agree. Well, where do you look at, and if you if I were to ask you the same question about Fernando, what would your answer be there? On if in he's what like sense? if he if he's the our quarterback in the future.
2: I mean, he's definitely making the right strides, right? Um like look, we were we, we talked about this last week and and Um, we're, we're mentioning this of how his first few games were his first few starts in college football. And usually it takes a few games for guys to get adjusted to the tempo of the game. But he played against ranked opponents in hostile territory twice out of those four games. Washington State game was probably the one where he might've played a defense or a team that was below us in terms of talent and ability at this point in the season and then he plays a stanford team that's definitely below us in terms of talent and execution and as a team and what did we need to see we needed to see him start to use that experience that he had against those top tier teams and it wasn't like he played terribly against those teams either like they're just they were just average like mediocre stats you needed to be you know, two or three tiers above that in order to beat those types of teams. But if that translated properly, he should be having some, some stat lines like he did against Stanford. And that's exactly what he had, right? He, he had over 200 yards in the first half. He had two tutties thrown in the first half. He ended the game, I think with three touchdowns and like 300 and something yards passing 200, sorry, 294 yards passing so almost 300 yards, um, 7.9 yards per attempt. Like, you want him to to start to make those strides and dominate against teams that are definitely below us, which is what we haven't had at the quarterback position in a little bit. And you saw that on Saturday. Like he just dominated against a team that was not better than us. So. That's why the UCLA game kind of intrigues me. It's like, okay, can he put it all together? Can he put together a performance like this against Stanford but against a, a higher-tier defense because of all the experience he's accrued over the course of the season? If that's the case, then yeah, I think he's the quarterback of the future, and you, and you start building with him consistently.
1: Yeah, realistically, you'd have a shot at – I don't even want to say it. Don't even get me started. Um <laughs> I think all the all the points you made are great. Yeah, yeah. all of them are yeah, spot yeah. On. Let's not put the bad ju- the one play. Yeah, yeah.
2: Let's not, let's not, let's put, not put the juju let's out let's there I'm for trying, UCLA yet.
1: We're trying something different. So let's talk about fourth and yeah. seven play. Where was your head at as far okay. as go for it, kick it, and you know try to tap into that without? I you know we know the result now, but. Where was your mind at as that was unfolding?
2: Yeah. I think it I go for it, I think was the the thing for me. I think I think it made the most sense. Um it was Yeah. That's 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 all I that's all I can really say. It's I it's like it was the right right moment to do it. But you know what about you?
1: You know, I don't, I don't, I would be lying if I think I said that I would definitely be lying if I felt, if I came in and said that I was like, oh yeah, a hundred percent go for it. I think I had become slightly more conservative as the game had worn on and just trying to Mm -hmm. understand what any points would do to the outcome and like, but, um, yeah it's it's really hard to look at it like after knowing the result i just think it was a really good really good play call and then i my follow-up question to that is like did you think that jeremiah was in i I can't remember did you move to that end zone
2: yeah i was in that end zone i thought he was in i thought the ball crossed the plane um i genuinely thought the ball had crossed the plane i think every even the stanford guys thought that the ball had crossed the plane uh but that ref did not seem to think so. <laughs> but like that's the thing, like it's been weird over the last couple of weeks of like what's replay reviewed and what's not. Like you know the Washington State game, I think Washington State fans were upset that that Noel Williams scooping scooping score like wasn't replay reviewed. Yeah. Um. And I I think if you replay reviewed it, that's probably not a touchdown and instead a an, inter, an incomplete pass. Uh, and then with the Jeremiah two point conversion, it's just, uh, like they don't even look at it and they're saying like, Nope, it's, it's not it. It's, uh, he didn't get in, <laughs> yeah. but like you look at when, if you go back and watch the TV broadcast, it's like, you can't unequivocally say that he isn't like on that, on at least one of the angles. So you got to look back and look at all the other angles and see where the ball is when he goes down. Um it doesn't help because the ball's like on his upper hip and not on the hip that's like lowing like going to ground and he gets kind of covered by one of the Stanford players. But yeah, I was like, Oh yeah, that's in. That's an easy two. Uh, but no, they were like it yeah, it felt like the it felt like that SC S C play if the ball had actually at least been caught. But, you mm. know, this time the ball was caught and they still said it wasn't it wasn't two. So <laughs>
1: The Ashton Daniels touchdown play, that Stanford brand. Yeah, I think the funny thing about that was I thought from our angle in the section that we were in that Ashton Daniels clearly didn't make it in, and then they called it good. And then on the Jeremiah Hunter play, I didn't have an angle towards it, but they called it no good. And it ended up being, of course, that the Pac-12 refs were wrong, but luckily they got the review right (laughs) the Ashton Daniels run. And then they didn't even bother to review it on Jeremiah Hunter, so it was it was very confusing, very very just, confusing.
2: Just Pac-12 refs are just chaos, just constant chaos.
1: It's chaos, dude. One week left. One week <laughs> left. Not even one <laughs> week left. Just a few days left.
2: Not even. Yeah. Well, well, technically more because we have Pac-12 basketball refs. It's true.
1: Are they as famous? Uh,
2: no, not not as bad. It's they're not as egregious. That's good. Uh, that's good but yeah I mean it's uh, it, it definitely was a day the game went kind of I don't know do you think the game went as expected I think the result kind of went as expected I thought maybe we would score a little more but it never felt if if Stanford was gonna win it felt like we needed to shoot ourselves in the foot a couple more times and those moments yeah. just never came
1: yeah I mean I think it's hard Saying like, "Oh, you know, did it go as expected?" I I agree. I mean, I think that I I think that if we convert more of those drives at the beginning, it makes the game inherently less exciting and therefore not as interesting as a fan when you're there live, but much easier to kind of consume. I think it, the game would have been out of reach a lot sooner uh, than it ended up being because we just weren't. Con- you just have to take advantage of those opportunities. So if we're going to try and focus uh, against UCLA, yeah. if we got the same number of opportunities against UCLA, like we have to convert on those and yeah. can't really sputter out of the gate as much. So I, you know, 27 to 12 would probably say it went more ex- according to plan if it had been like thirty, like high thirties, low forties to 15, something like that.
2: Yep, I
1: mean Stanford's been pretty bad all year, but yes. at the same time, yeah. I mean, this, I... you know, the thing about the thing about all this is that I and I've learned through the like decade of losing big games after big game, you can just <laughs> never take them for granted. You never take the win for granted. Yep, right. Like it was special because of the day who was there, the tailgating, like. The, the rivalry, the camaraderie, and I was so happy. I turned to Nicholas. I'm so happy that at least this this tradition isn't going anywhere because you can't say the yep. same thing about the Civil War. Obviously, the Apple Cup, they renewed it through 2027. But even then, yeah. you know, there's still a lot of questions about the longevity of it. And I'm just so grateful that the, this tradition is still here because it is so much fun. And then I didn't – oh, dude, we didn't even talk about Oski beating all the mascots.
2: That was, yeah.
1: That's when I knew we were going to win. That was the moment. When Oski dead sprint beat all the other mascots.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Oski was on a, Oski was on a, has been on a total different, like, troll monster, like, level the last, I'm going to say, like, three weeks.
1: He's got senioritis, dude.
2: There's just, I mean, even some of his posts, like, you know, whoever runs that Oski Instagram or Twitter page, like, some of them are unhinged. (laughs) Like, something's (laughs) happening there where they're having, we're having, they're having, like, too much fun with it. And, like, it's like it's incorporating into the real life version of Oski too and not just as an internet persona.
1: Dude, I mean, he, he, like, ran down and then the tree came sprinting over and he did the pee on the tree thing.
2: That's that's yeah that's yeah and then dude the fun even, I think even funnier like after that was like the tree getting into Twitter wars with Cal fans like on what? on, on twi- like on the tree's account yeah yeah there on the was, uh, there was like, a formerly known as Twitter uh, yeah on the no fo- on the website formerly known as Twitter yeah the the tree account was getting into it with some folks um, it was kind of hilarious I think there's one tweet where. Uh, the tree basically says, Well, I can't do much because there's a five foot nine woman that's standing inside of me. <laughs> <laughs> oh oh so good. there are just some there's some iconic there's some there was some good banter, I think, um, against some of the uh some of the Stanford fans and all the good fun. Um nothing really crossed the line. You know, compared to some of the stuff that UCLA fans have been saying to us. But I think with the Stanford fans, I think we always tend to have a little bit more fun. And so, yeah, they're feeling the opposite. They're feeling what we went through in that nine game losing streak. Yeah, that's what they're going through right now. Like, I don't know if it'll get to nine. Who knows? But they're in the midst of that right now. Of Like, like at this rate and how we've been playing, we might not win this for a bit. <laughs>
1: The thing is, though, I mean, the difference being that when they had their nine, they were also winning Rose Bowls, and we have been yeah. like average to below average. <laughs> so, like, take it for what you will. We're very blessed, but at the same time, my goodness, I wish maybe during this streak we could have done a little bit more. That was <laughs> <'cause laughs> <established> our brand. <laughs> Oh, I been swear nice. I said it on this podcast, Rob. I swear I said it on the podcast. I said it that the USC game was gonna be the game that was gonna determine whether or not we go to a bowl. That like losing that game was gonna be the difference between us going bowling and not. And now we're down to the end. We've beaten Washington State, <laughs> we beat Stanford, and we now have to beat UCLA, who just looked really good uh... against USC in order to go to a bowl game again. And the optimist in me is like great we have a chance and the pessimist in me which has been growing louder these days around cal football is like i can't believe we're in this situation again when we had it and we could just have relieved ourselves from that pressure and i just remember like all those years where it's like okay we're five and seven maybe we'll get the invite (laughs) dude stop being five and seven
2: (laughs) i think uh, dude just 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 to Just to solidify that point before moving on, I think uh, one of the – I think it was like Brett McMurphy tweeted that out or something, that there aren't enough teams that are going to – that are in position to go six and six, that they're going to have to put some five and seven teams in. And according to someone that I talked to, they said that Cal's APR is standing pretty pretty nicely.
1: Um (laughs) god
2: damn it so so yeah yeah it's still it's still in the realm of possibility i think a lot i think it's it's a lot more possible than the 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 stupid rumors that we were going to go to like the the gasparilla bowl like a week before the gasparilla bowl last year um i I, I don't think those i don't think it's going to be like that i think this is going to be like a genuine yeah we don't have enough six and six teams so five and seven teams here you go um that's
1: okay. good. So you—that was hilarious. Do you want to go play in a bowl game one week notice? <laughs> Even though all your players are not on campus. <laughs> uh,
2: what's worse? What's worse that like having to do that or having to play UCLA on forty-eight hours' notice?
1: Having to play UCLA on forty-eight hours'
0: notice. All <laughs> right. Well, for- that's will we'll my-
1: forever be the dumbest thing in the history <laughs> of a pandemic schedule.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is why all of 2020 is just, no one should ever count it, like ever. It's yeah, just... There's, so, a, there's a
1: good, I mean, or losing 42 of your active players due to COVID against Arizona. I mean, yeah, you just, miss but 48 hours notice to change against, like, you're just, there's no, <laughs> what football actually is and all of the work that goes into it. I mean, I think if you asked any coach, they said, out of any of those scenarios, Arizona, you could scheme for, you know, uh, the one week, at least you have one week prep. You could scheme for that 48 hours. You're probably like, there's nothing you could do as a coach. I think to dramatically really make a difference. That game's going to go how it's going to go. Yeah. Yep. It's just wild. Didn't go well. Uh, did not
2: go didn't, well. <laughs> definitely did not go well. Um, before we kind of wrap up here, Andy, uh I want I totally forgot to do this. I wanted to go through some of the game notes from the Cal Stanford from the 126th edition of the Big Game. Yeah, it yeah, Uh the Bears have now won three straight road games in the Big Game. The first time they've accomplished that feat since 1947, 49, 51. Wow. That's a cool stat. That's cool uh, stat. Cal has won 4 of the past 5 Big Games, all right? Next one is left tackle Barrett Miller became just the second player ever to start the big game five times, four with Stanford and one with Cal. The other other player, can you guess who the other player is? Yeah. It's a Cal player.
1: So they just, sorry, did games. they have to also play for Cal and Stanford or?
2: No, no, no. This, this player only played for us. Garber's. No.
1: Damn it. All right, hold on. Let me get one more.
2: I'll give you a hint. Defense. Sorry, started the game? Yep. He he would have been the first player to start the big game five times.
1: Defense. Mm. (laughs) What? (laughs) <laughs> no. Evan
2: Weaver. Uh close. Uh it was Elijah Hicks. Oh, uh, of
1: course.
2: Yeah. Pretty cool. Uh oh, really wide receiver cool. Tron Grizzell became the first Cal player ever. Or became the first Cal player to record two touchdown catches in a single game this season. Grizzell also registered a career high of seven catches in 136 yards. He is the first Cal player to register over a hundred uh a hundred-yard receiving game this season. Running back Jaden Ott rushed for 166 yards, the seventh 100-yard rushing game of his career. Ott also now has 2,079 career rushing yards, making him just the 22nd Cal player ever to reach the 2,000 mark for a career. Ott also joins J.J. Arrington as the only Cal players to ever reach the 2,000-yard career rushing mark in his first 22 games played. And quarterback Fernando Quarterback Fernando Mendoza set career highs in passing yards and touchdown passes.
1: What is Otts' season mark at right now?
2: Over a thousand. Yeah. Yeah. It's what a year. Yeah. What a year. Yeah, and he still has potentially two games left. Yeah. Great. One more for <laughs> sure. One more the for sure. He might have one more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the five. The five and seven bull. No one will oh know. Like, goodness. imagine going to a bowl game five and seven, and then winning it. Then you end the season six and seven. If you gave that number to most people, they'd be like, "Oh, you guys went six to six and lost your bowl game."
0: That's
2: <laughs> <laughs> right. That's no, the only man. way you end six and seven, right? Nope, 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 nope. nope. Absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. Uh, Andy, we do have one question from our listener readership here today. Okay who got who got it just in time our dear friend sid our dear friend sid who by the way i was told this anecdotal story that i i, I don't know if i should share this or not but i'm gonna share it anyways I, I was told the washington state game um avi went and sat with sid for a little bit in that washington state game <laughs> and sid just spiraled into just uh utter like meltdown of, cause we were, it looked like we were going to lose that game.
0: <laughs> and it was just
2: screaming at the, at the field. Um, it's, and it's, it's just hilarious how we've, we've turned her from just this, just this, you know, sweet person who was a Cal fan by family and, you know, went to Oregon. So still roots a little bit for Oregon and, and then turned her into basically one of us. <laughs> just, Just someone just constantly going through the emotional ups and downs and roller coasters of of Cal football.
1: Truly, (laughs) truly, (laughs) I don't know how to react to all that, (laughs) but I know that Sid is one of us and for better, for worse, for better, for worse.
2: (laughs) What a a story arc. What a story arc. I love it. All right. I'm going to read your question here. What does the offense and defense need to do to secure a win against UCLA? Also, thanks for another great season of hot takes and answering questions. Go Bears forever. Let's win this thing.
1: I'm um, with you. I mean, I, Rob, I'm going to pass this to you. Uh,
2: what does the offense and defense need to do? All right. Well, the offense, I think there's you need to do two things. Uh, Actually, let's just make it three just to make it easy. The first thing is you need to somehow limit Latu's ability to get in the backfield. I don't know how you do it. You're He's going to get into the backfield at times. Like I'm not saying you can you keep him out forever, but you need to limit that as much as possible. That's step one. Then step two is you need to establish Ott and the run game very early on because they need to start zeroing in on that and, be more focused on plugging the right run gaps than about our wide receivers. Then that step that follows that is Fernando needs to be able to hit guys in the middle of the field um, to open up some of the rest of the space that comes along with them zeroing in on our run game. So, yeah, I think that's that would be the first thing. Anything you want to add about that?
1: Nothing serious. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, what does the defense need to do? I think that okay, the defense, the defense just needs to to lock down um, the quarterback run. I think if you, I, I genuinely think because the the UCLA offense has been in a funk all season. I think if you can stop the quarterback run, whether it's on read or on read options or on, you know, design quarterback runs, that limits what their offense can do because their quarterbacks have been so iffy all season long. Whether it be throwing the ball from Garbers or Moore or Schley, like they just don't have an answer for that right now. So if you can do that, then the guys on our back end are gonna have a bit more of an easier day. Yeah. But
1: yeah, I mean, I think don't I, everyone is really worried about what we about what Ethan Garbers and how and and how good Ethan Garbers looked last week. We have to remember how bad USC's defense is. <laughs> USC's <laughs> defense is so bad. Um, but we need to get pressure on the quarterback. I mean, I'm thinking of the, you know, that big news story that came out about what's her name, Clarissa Thompson, yeah, and how she was like making up sideline reports when she couldn't, which I don't even care about. I was like, fine. Who cares? Like you literally went up and you're like, cool. The coach said that we need to like all the like coach speak basics. I'm like, good for you. Like no one cares. I just, I think it's ridiculous. Like who cares? Like, why do we care about these things? And, but anyways, so I'm going to give you that, that type of response. (laughs) We need to put pressure on the quarterback. Uh, we need to not turtle defensively. That sermon started to do against Stanford. I mean, yeah, we need to run the ball to open up the pass. How about that? All the all the basics. But in in reality, I think if I were to answer that, I'd say what we figured out last year against UCLA. Even though it's a different defensive coordinator, like you need to borrow some of that. So I know uh, we. We had no Musgrave. You know, we'd fired Musgrave. We weren't sure what we we're gonna look like. And we opened up this offense that looked wildly different than what it was. Now we have an established offense that can move the ball downfield. You know, I think you look at what we can learn from what worked last year, and then defensively, like I don't care if we give up 30 points if we get pressure on the quarterback. Fundamentally, that has to be the lesson we took away from the last few games. It's okay if you give up a big play or two because you're trying to get pressure. But it's very clear when we're sending three like three guys, like the quarterback sit back there and they make the right pass. And so I think that's the way you get UCLA's offense confidence is you don't disrupt them enough. Um, so I don't know if that's Wilcox being more involved on that side of football that created that change, but like not getting away from it. Like if you get a lead, keep doing what's working. I feel like too often we get leads and on defense I see us do something else and we're like sending three guys. I'm like, dude, why are we doing this? This is yep. – like you can't forget what got you to this point. I understand it's inherently less risky if you're sending three, but I, I just think there's a time and a place – for that and um, you know we've seen the same result kind of against UCLA over and over and over again now we're gonna need to do something different in order to get a different result and I'm all for it I'll throw everything at this right because I do think the people that are calling us out and saying that this game is the difference for our program in 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 a very it, it's like all about uh, narrative at this point and so if you're like okay interesting season. Didn't expect to have the quarterback uncertainty, you know, went through an absolute gauntlet of a schedule against ranked teams in, in the last year. The Pac-12 came away with three straight wins. I know Nick touched on this about like the importance of beating UCLA, who was partially, partially responsible for the demise of the Pac-12 yep. um, and sort of getting that last win and, and would mean a lot the same way the USC game would have meant a lot. I think all of that's valid, but I think more importantly than that is if you did say go six and six, winning your last three games, and then Fernando becomes more established as what your future is going to look like, and you have players like Tron and Jaden who have the potential to come back. Like now, you know, and then you're probably most likely going to make some big changes on defense from a coaching level. Like now, you really have something that you can sell that you can get people engaged with. So, like. That's why I'm not trying to get excited about this game is because of the fact that you should be getting excited about this game because there is a lot on the line. I think for Cal, there is a lot on the line for where we want this program to be. And then where like the last thing that we have control over in regards to how we carry our own momentum and our own narrative into the ACC and in, in a wildly different future. So uh, as much as I joke around and say, yeah, like don't want to jinx anything like i think this game matters a lot and um i know it matters to the team and to the players and that they'll step up and bring their best performance and my hope is that ucla it doesn't matter as much to them so maybe we get a little bit of a a lazier opponent and that allows us the opportunity to to take it you know take advantage and and hopefully come away with a win
2: yeah, I think the biggest thing for me with regarding the UCLA game too is like there was you know there's the rumors about Chip Kelly being fired after the USC game, uh, but they ended up beating USC and that's why they haven't really you know tossed him yet and so I'm kind of thankful for that. Like I would much rather be facing this chip this team led by Chip Kelly versus like a team that doesn't have a head coach and they just come out and, and do something um they you know rally around that fact and some assistant coach like you know gets them fired up for the game like i hope i hope for them it's right now like all right season's over you know coach might be uh, being let go we're already going to a bowl game let's just enjoy like senior day and all that and that's kind of all it is fingers crossed
1: agreed agreed yeah i mean there's a lot of reasons why I think they wouldn't care about this game. There's a lot of reasons why the USC team didn't look like they cared about the game. And as we saw, yep. even if they don't care, we sometimes unfortunately give them too much of an opportunity to care. Um, so I think, yeah, there's absolutely going to be some of that. I think that comes with establishing and recruiting guys that are expecting to be competing in New Year's Six Bowls and uh, that don't have it and see that dream unrealized. And, um, and you, you catch somebody sleeping, there's no doubt in my mind that our team will be ready for the moment. I actually think we could might be too excited. You know, one of those things where we come out a little too hot, some overthrows, stuff like that. But if we come with that level of intensity and focus, then I think there is enough potential for Cal to do something because I, I know UCLA's defense is good. Um, so – but yeah, I mean, it could be one of those things where it's once again down to the field goal, which feels like outside of one, the massive 2020 blowout, and I think there was one other, it does feel like these last few games against UCLA have really come down to a game-ending field goal. Maximum pain. And I yeah. really hope that it's us hitting that. <laughs> to, please. Yeah, please. please.
2: Please. The vibes have been good the last couple of weeks. Uh, even, Even... Realistically, going back even to the SE game, the vibes were pretty solid. So, I just want that maintained um, heading into the off season. All right, Andy. Anything else before we before we close out the night? No, I got a
1: a hot tub with my name on it, <laughs> <laughs> it and an ocean to swim in, yeah, swimming, my friends.
2: If you didn't realize the reason Andy's audio quality is uh, you know like he's on a phone is because that man is currently in Hawaii without his usual mic so it's don't tell uh... the
1: scammers bro don't tell the scammers <laughs> they're all gonna <laughs> yeah. also yeah, like, he's actually be, like, 15 craigslist postings out here I'm like yeah great
2: awesome <laughs> <laughs> yeah Andy's he's looking for ucla tickets out in hawaii that's what he's doing. yeah
1: exactly exactly
2: uh but yeah, that wraps it up for us here on the Golden BearCast. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Golden GoldenBearCast. You can email us, GoldenBearCast at gmail.com. You can find all the written stuff over at rifercalifornia.com. You can uh, also find us on any podcast listening platform that you use. So please go and do that. And uh, yeah, folks, it's the final uh, football game week of the regular season of the Pac-12. This is the last Pac-12 game. Cal will ever play in for football. Crazy. It's a moment. It's a moment. But yeah, and with that, what do we say as always, Andy? Go Bears. Go Bears.